Well, some interesting numbers when it comes to women's representation in politics. In 2000, Canada ranked 27th in the world for women's representation in Parliament, and now we sit at 60th. Having said that, over the past two decades, Canada moved up from 20% to 30% female representation in Parliament. Now, at that rate, if it kept on going, we would achieve gender parity by 2062. So our numbers have increased, but overall, we've dropped kind of on a world scale. So what's happening? Uh, there's a lot of folks saying that there has to be some big change. Let's get into it with Sherry Graydon, who is a CEO of Informed Opinions and is leading the Balance of Power campaign. Sherry, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. All right. So when you take a look at these these numbers, when you take a look at what's happened, all right, we, we've gone from 27th in 2000 to 60th spot now. Uh, having said that, we've seen an increase in representation. What's going on? Well, I think we're complacent. I think Canadians have accepted incremental progress. You know, the date that you cited, 2063, I might not make it till then. So I'm impatient, and I think lots of other Canadians are impatient too, noticing that essentially what's happened is that other countries have recognized and made this a priority. You know, representation is one of the fundamental elements of democracy. That's what democracy means, that people are represented in Parliament, the decision-making bodies, and um, the fact that women are still at 30% here and they're at 50% or 49% or 47% in places like Mexico and Iceland and New Zealand and, you know, many, many countries around the world tells you it's not hard to get there. It just takes political will. So, so Sherry, uh, you mentioned some of the countries that have, have seen that change, that have made that change or uh, yeah, allowed, but supported that change to happen. But how did they do it? And, you know, is it, was it making a certain number of women or, you know, it has to be 50 percent? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, a lot of them did, in fact, use specific quotas or targets. Uh, in Iceland and New Zealand, which rank, uh, I think, 8th and 7th, uh, political parties themselves, because political parties actually have the power to change this tomorrow, or at least at the next election. So political parties in those two countries embraced voluntary gender quotas because they realized that it's a question of basic fairness, and there's a whole bunch of research documenting the extent to which when women participate in decision-making, whether it's in the home, at work, in government, the decisions we make are better because women's experience-informed insights, their perspectives, their priorities, their ideas, combined with men, deliver better outcomes. We have more reliable research, better health care, happier workplaces, our financial markets are more stable. There's a whole body of research that documents that and the performance of any individual country goes up 
when equality of women goes up. So it's actually a competitive advantage to ensure that you're drawing on the insights and perceptions and ideas of the entire population, not just mostly one gender or the other. Sherry, what do you say to those who say, okay, you know what, we need to make sure that we have the best person for the job, maybe not one that, you know, instead of one that identifies as male or as, as female. What do you say to that and what kind of, what 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 has polling showed on that so it's so interesting the polling we did showed that canadians by and large appreciate what i've just said they by and large understand that a balance of power is good for the country in terms of the best person here's something that i only learned recently and that is that between 2004 and 2019 only 17 percent of federal candidates for parliament were nominated in contests. Mm. 83% were appointed by the political parties they ran for. Mm. 83%. So that means that parties are themselves recruiting the majority of the candidates. And we know there are lots of women in this country who are really smart and really qualified. In fact, other research has found that even when quotas are used, the women who end up being elected tend to have more extensive credentials than the men who are elected. You know, I had a conversation not too long ago with someone who said it's really interesting and, and, and there's studies that have been done on it that um, that show that uh, that women, I think it was a Forbes magazine study, it said that uh, women, when they're going to apply for the job, tend to want to hit like nine or ten out of the ten items that you, know, you qualify for, whereas, exactly. whereas men will like, hey, I'm, I, I might hit three or four of these, but I'm going to take a shot of it. There, there's, there's more maybe of a confidence there. And, and and I and I found that really really eye opening. Thinking, you know, are are we second guessing ourselves and our abilities? Well, I, I think you've put your your uh, your finger exactly on the issue. Is that women don't put their names forward unless they're really qualified. And men have gotten the memo since childhood that a little chutzpah goes a long way and they can learn on the job, and many of them do. So I think what would really be great is if women had a little bit more got the memo a little earlier that, you know, you can learn on the job, you don't have to have all 10 qualifications, and it might also be okay if some men got the memo, you know what, you might want to wait until you are actually a little more qualified before you step up. Sherry Graydon joining me this afternoon. I think one of the challenges um, that obviously still faces, uh, you know, women and um, minorities in politics is just the state of politics right now, Sherry. It's pretty ugly yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk for a long time about trying to change that, trying to tamp down the vitriol, trying to, you know, you know, shore up some protections through, um, you know, dealing with social media platforms until that's done do you see um any gains being made because i think that that has got to be one of the biggies for a lot of folks saying i don't want to do this it's a big deterrent and it's a deterrent not just for women but for thoughtful men who also look at the degree of vitriol and say 
you know, I don't need that in my life. I have kids. I don't want to subject my family to that. Mm -hmm. So it is a problem. And we have another campaign that we're running called the Toxic Hush Campaign to acknowledge the silencing effect of that. But two things I think are really important to think about with regards to that. One is that we can't use the vitriol as an excuse for not fixing the imbalance in Parliament. Many other countries in the world, they haven't fixed, uh, you know, online toxicity yet, and they're achieving gender parity mm. in politics. And the second thing that's probably even more important is that when you have 50% women in Parliament in the legislatures, that in and of itself changes the tenor of the debate. Mm. There's less testosterone, there's less elbows up in the corners there's there's a greater willingness to be collaborative and collegial and i'm not saying that men aren't capable of those things of course they are but we know that when there's a greater presence of women it has an impact on how people behave collectively and so in addition to helping bring down the the you know vicious rhetoric the very presence of women as visible actors in in parliament making decisions sends a broader message to the public at large including the trolls that says women belong here we're here we're making decisions you can feel righteous in your misogyny but you know you're you're alone. You're not part of the majority. Most Canadians accept that equality is where we're at. Sherry, if people want to find out more about the Balance of Power campaign, where can they do that? Balanceofpower.ca. Uh, they can follow us on Twitter, Balance of Power. Um, they can, yeah, visit the website. Informed Opinions uh, site also has uh, links to what we're up to. And we're looking forward to engaging Canadians across the country to encourage their own political uh, representatives to do the right thing and help us balance the power. Sherry, sure appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you for this. Thanks so much, Jamie. Yeah, you betcha. Sherry Graydon joining me this afternoon, the CEO of Informed Opinions. You can find out more about the Balance of Power campaign at balanceofpower.ca.